is a little spark of fire and then of course uh, a whole forest can go up in flames and you know we've been having forest fires around the country but all it takes is a small bit of fire and it can create something huge and in the same way the tongue is small but it's powerful and so we have to realize that you might think oh man I just said what I said like what's the big deal no no your words may not have been many, but they have tremendous influence. When conditions are right, a forest fire can destroy everything in its path, causing incredible amounts of damage. And it all starts with a tiny spark. Today, Pastor Daniel explains that your words can be just like that little flame that triggers a raging inferno. The things you say, even if it's just a few words, can blow up into something much bigger and more destructive. Instead, God wants your words to be a beacon of light that draws people to Him. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in James chapter 3 as he begins his message, Get It Under Control. So we've all experienced when someone has been out of control, right? Like where there's things that are going on and the only person who doesn't realize that they're out of control is the person who's out of control, right? I've always think I've thought about this with my kids because, you know, especially when the kids are little, before they can really explain all that's going on, all of my kids at different times where they would just be kind of undone, they're crying, they're upset, you know, and, and I remember in almost every situation, a dirty diaper was involved in that. And so, you know, you'd be trying to like, calm them down. You're like, hey, listen, we're going to change that dirty diaper. No big deal. But they're freaking out. And you're like, hey, listen, once this diaper... And, and you're like, no, this is... Dad's here. Mom's here. It's all good. We're going to be fine. Right? But sure enough, in the midst of all that's going on, they're just losing their minds. And then finally, they realize that their diaper's changed and everything's good. And and But in the midst of the journey, sometimes we're the only one who doesn't realize that we're out of control. This reminds me, of course, of my uh, failed career at basketball. I know everyone's like, of course it was failed because you're short. I just had someone recently met him for the first time. They're like, Daniel, I didn't realize you were that short. I'm like, well, thanks very much. But I am a little guy. Big things come in small packages. But I wanted... I really wanted to be a football player, but my mom was not going to let me uh, play football, so I ended up getting to play basketball. My mom was really worried that I'd get hurt. She watched her, her brother, my uncle, break his ankle playing football and all this stuff, and so so I, I got to play basketball. But the thing is, is basketball isn't really a contact sport. You're supposed to stay away from people, and I remember when they first signed me up for basketball, they put me in to a practice. I just tackled everybody. Whoever had the ball, I tackled them, and, and I remember the coach being like, hey, you know, like, that's not how this game is played. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, well, you, you got to get control of yourself because you're not allowed to touch the guy with the ball. I'm like, well, why would you not want to touch him? I mean, he's got the ball. Tackle me. Like, no, no, that's football. In basketball, you're supposed to guard them. They were trying to show me how. And I remember when they put me in the very first game. I definitely wasn't a starter. But I remember they put me in and I fouled out in like less than three minutes. Every time someone had the ball, I was just all over them. And I remember that time in my life, I remember the coach was just like, man, you need to get things under control. Now, the reason I bring all this up is because, you know, in this series that we're calling Sticks and Stones, where we're looking at our words, here's what I want to tell you. I'm just going to, I'm just going to kind of drop the gauntlet right in the center of this thing, is that for many of us, we're out of control with our words. We have no clue. 
Other people realize that we have a problem with our words, whether it's the tone of those words, how aggressive they are, the things that we're talking about. We don't realize it, but it's really out of control. And one of the things I've been thinking so much about recently is how if we were just simply to read the Bible and say, how does this apply to my life? Then all of the things that we really need for our culture to heal, for our for people to be able to communicate with one another, even when they disagree. All of this stuff has been in the Bible for thousands of years, uh, but by and large, people don't actually go and look at what it says. And the Bible speaks a lot about our words. And so today I want to bring you to a passage that is... It's kind of a nasty one, to be honest with you. And I mean that in like the most beautiful way possible because it's the word of God. But it's one of those passages that it's been in there the whole time. But when we come to it, you're, we're always like, ooh. And it's a chance for us to be able to really reflect upon what we say, what our words mean, and what God's plan is for our mouth. So in order to get at that, I'm going to give you the the passage. You're going to want to check it out. It's James chapter 3. James chapter 3. We're going to be taking verses 1 to 12 today. James 3 verses 1 to 12. Um, I always like to say that the book of James is, is real gnarly. Martin Luther, the great reformer, actually wanted to throw the book of James out of the Bible because it was so focused on like the practical ends of living. And obviously for Martin Luther, the, the key was that we are saved by faith apart from works. And so he didn't like the book of James. But really, of course, the book of James tells that faith without works is dead. So if we're saved, we're not saved by what we do. We're not saved by necessarily what we say. But because we're saved, it should change the way that we live. And so if you're looking for the book of James, uh, it's towards the back of your Bible. It's in between uh, the letter to the Hebrews and then, of course, uh, First and Second Peter or First, Second and Third John in Revelation. So if you see First, Second and Third John or First and Second Peter, turn left. If you're at the book of Hebrews or anything before the book of Hebrews, turn right. Uh, James chapter 3. And we'll just dive right on in. But I, I do hope that you're, you're ready to be challenged today. I know I've been super convicted, not only uh, studying this passage and preparing it to share it with you today, but uh, just in my own life. So it says this, verse one, it says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Though they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Now, really what this teaches us, and it's really quite simple, is that the tongue is small, but it's powerful. The tongue is small, but it's powerful. And so really by talking about our tongue, it, James isn't really focusing on that, you know, that little thing in your mouth. You know, maybe it's like a, you know, an inch wide and two inches long, unless you're Gene Simmons from Kiss, and then it's like eight inches long or whatever. You know what I mean? And let the, let the hearer understand that reference. But, but, but the idea is it's like he's not talking about the actual physical tongue. He's talking about what the tongue is used for. By and large, our words, what we say. And so he begins by exhorting teachers. He says, he's talking, he's like, listen, 
my brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a, a stricter judgment. Now, that's kind of a terrifying thing. As for me as a pastor, I always point this out to people who are sharing God's word, whether it's in a small group setting or, or whether it's like, like I'm doing here from a pulpit, whether it's uh, kids ministry or student ministry. You know, teaching takes on many different forms, but in the end of the day, you know, we have to be reminded there's, there's a weightiness to teaching. Why? Because by and large, teaching happens through words. And we have to be careful because it says that let, let not, many of you become teachers knowing that you'll receive a stricter judgment, which is kind of a crazy idea because the judgment that we all receive is based on the perfection of who Jesus is, right? But what this is getting at is that because words are powerful, because as we've seen, words are creative, and because we can very easily stumble people with our words, we have to be aware of the power that is contained within those words. Because he says, look, for we all stumble in many things. And if anyone does not stumble in word, that person, verse 2, is a complete man, able also to bridle his whole body. So, so he's saying, listen, we all stumble. In, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to stumble over the things that we say, how we say it, the things that we should have said that we didn't say. Right? There's all these different components to this. And he's saying, but the person who has been able to kind of bridle the tongue, been able to, to get the tongue under control, that's a, a complete person. It shows a maturity. And I always think about, when I, when, I, when I see this, I always think about that classic phrase that says, um, better to say nothing and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and dispel all doubt. Right? Like, like it's, better be, it's better not to say something than to say something and wish you hadn't said it. But what's amazing is, is in the Bible, there are times, like, and it's, it's really powerful. You see it in the book of Ezekiel, where God tells the prophet Ezekiel that if I tell you to, to speak to somebody and you don't, and that person dies in their sin, actually their sin is on your hands. Because he's saying part of what God wants to do is sometimes for those of us who are quiet, God is actually asking you to speak and you're choosing not to. That's as much of a sin as somebody maybe like me who's got a big mouth, who's always speaking and I'm always saying things I probably shouldn't say. So no matter if you're a talker or you're quiet or either way, God wants our mouths, our words to be a part of what he's doing. He's got plans for it. But really in this first section here, what we learn is that the tongue is small, but it's powerful. And we know that because we get these three illustrations. We show how influential something that is small can be. Because sometimes we have a tendency to think bigger is always better. And, and we start here by realizing that something is, that is small can be very powerful, can be very influential. Because look at what it says. Indeed, verse 3, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we can turn their whole body. So first you have this picture of a horse with a, a bit in its mouth. And even though a horse is huge, bigger than its rider, right? That small bit in their mouth with, with, with everything there, you can move that horse if you know how to ride a horse. You can move that horse wherever you want to. In the same way, not only do we have the bits in the horse's mouth, uh, we also see in verse 4, look also at ships. Although they're so large and they can be driven about by the winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. So a big boat has a small rudder in the back and, and you know, these ocean liners and a small rudder just turning this rudder can move this huge ship. And then, of course, Another example that you get here in verse 5, it says, see how great a forest a little fire kindles. 
You know, and, and that's kind of a, a, a horrifying one for us here in the Pacific Northwest, you know, and especially as it's, you know, towards that dry season where all it takes is a little spark of fire. And then, of course, uh, a whole forest can go up in flames. And, you know, we've been having forest fires around the country, but all it takes is a small bit of fire and it can create something huge. And in the same way, the tongue is small, but it's powerful. And so we have to realize that you might think, oh man, I just said what I said. Like, what's the big deal? No, no, your words may not have been many, but they have tremendous influence and they're very powerful. And of course, when, I'm, when I think about this idea of something being small but powerful, I'm reminded of a beautiful prophecy really about Jesus. Micah chapter five, verse two, where it says, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth is from old, from everlasting. So the idea is that although Bethlehem was this small town, it was like it was a nowhere town among the thousands in Judah. In Bethlehem, the Messiah was born. You know, it'd be so easy to think as you think about Jesus. Like, you know, when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is born, he's not born in a palace. He's not laid in a, in a, in a gold bassinet with, you know, with down comforters all around. No, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, which was just ripped up fabric. And, and he was laid in a feeding chair. He was laid in a manger. Right. And so we have to realize that just because something isn't big does not mean it's not powerful. And in that way, our words, our tongue might be small, but it exerts a lot of influence. It's got a lot of power to it. You want to see how it works? Let's keep on going. Pick it up in verse six. It says this. It says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is also set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Now, what this really teaches us is that the tongue must be tamed. The tongue must be tamed. What that means is that God, by his Holy Spirit, wants all of us to have our words under control. When you, when you think about an animal, I mean, earlier we talked about a horse with, with a bridle. Now, I, I, you know, I'm not a cowboy at all, you know, uh, but you, when you see these amazing stallions, at some point those stallions are wild and then they call, they, they break the horse where now all of a sudden the horse can be ridden. You can put the bit and bridle in his mouth, in his mouth and all these different things. And in a lot of ways, that's the exact picture that God has for us with our words that left us on our own devices. Our words, Words have all sorts of evil that they can do, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, because of the finished work of Jesus, God wants to do a transformational work in our lives in the area of our words. Right? And so when this, what I just read ends with this fact that verse 8, but no man can tame the tongue, that's true. You and I, left up to our own devices, cannot tame the tongue, but it doesn't say that God can't tame the tongue. It doesn't mean that God and his, 
power expressed through the Holy Spirit can't do a work in the words that we say. But I think it's important for us to see really how James unpacks this because I think we don't take our words seriously enough. Now, I'm going to talk about this, but, but let's just not miss the cultural moment that we're in right now. You know, we're in the midst still of uh, COVID-19 and some of these different things that are going on. There's unrest in the streets of cities. There's, there's, the news is salacious all the time. And what I'm finding is that for many people, because everything is so crazy, people are out of control with their words, right? People are in this way of living that because they see what's going on and because they have feelings about it, now their words are out of control. But if we were just read the book of James, what you really realize is you might have all those feelings, but maybe we shouldn't express those feelings because if God's will is that our words become tamed, really what that means is that we let the Holy Spirit govern our words, govern what we express, why we express it. And for all of us, we have to realize what it says right here, that the tongue is a fire. So so we can, with our words, put a little bit of a spark that could create a whole world of iniquity. Listen, the tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. I mean, it's crazy what he's saying. He's saying, listen, that the words that you use can bring defilement all over you. Maybe you have no issues in any other place, but you, your words and the hurtfulness of those words and the aggression in those words, right? It sets the, it defiles the whole body, it says. It sets on fire the course of nature. Now, I think that's really interesting because he's saying that our words can set on fire the course of nature. So really what it means is that our words have the ability to begin a brush fire that ends up burning everything down. And, and, and if, we're, if we really think about this, we take a second to step back. We've all had those experiences. Maybe it was us who was speaking or somebody else who was. When something is expressed and it takes on a whole other life of its own, right? Where it's like someone says something and maybe you're like, I can't believe they said that. Or, ooh, like I remember growing up where I grew up in New Jersey, people had no problems really expressing themselves. They, They just told you whatever they thought. And I remember there'd be times in class where someone would say something and I'd be like, oh, this is like a slow train wreck. I can see where this is gonna go. Because once something is expressed, it, it starts the fire. It starts rolling. And because we live in a fallen world and because, you know, Jesus, although he is king of kings and lord of lords, the kingdom of God has not covered the earth as the waters has covered the sea where he is reigning sovereignly in every single situation. All it takes is one word and then things start to blow up. And we're seeing this going on all over the place. And then it reminds us, and it is set on fire, it says, by hell. Wow. So you realize that right now our words can be enlivened either by the spirit of God or by hell, depending on the topics that we're choosing to discuss, depending on the tone that we have, right? And and then it says that men, humanity has tamed every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea, but not the tongue yet. So what it's saying is that in humanity's God-given dominion over creation, we can get control over all sorts of things, but humanity's still struggling to get control over their tongue. And if you don't believe me about this, just go on social media, right? Or, or, or just look at the comment section on any news article. 
right? And, and you realize that we're living in a moment where people, because they're not being governed by the Holy Spirit, because people are not walking in the Spirit, because people are choosing to walk in the flesh, because people are not taming their words, that all we're doing is creating destruction everywhere. And here's the deal. If you're a born-again follower of Jesus, I realize not everybody is. If you're not, I want you to put your faith and trust in Jesus because that's where you'll find who you really are. You'll get to know God and yourself and you'll get to move through the world in the way God intended you to, created you to. It only comes through Jesus. But listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, we need to stop talking. We need to tame our tongues. We need to ask ourselves, am I actually helping or hurting this situation? Because Jesus said it this way, speaking about our words. This is Matthew chapter 15, verse 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth, they come from the heart and they defile a person. Wow. So whatever comes out of your mouth, it begins in your heart. And what's in your heart is what really defiles a person. So the problem isn't necessarily our words. The problem is our heart. But when our hearts are wrong, it's better to not say something than it is to say something and wish we hadn't. So we all need to say, even right now, because I realize even in sharing this, the amount of times my words get me in trouble, is it's innumerable. You know, I always like to say that I've always had a big mouth and, and, and when God called me to be a pastor, I just get to talk about his word, but I still say all sorts of things. I'm like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, why did I open my mouth about that? I, I walk away. I probably repent every day a hundred times over something that's fallen out of my mouth, right? But here's the deal. The key for each one of us is that we are fighting that battle because God's kids should be fighting that battle, right? If you're God's child, you should be hearing this and saying, okay, Lord, Where do you want to tame my tongue? Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with that neighbor you don't like very much. I'm here to tell you, nobody comes to know Jesus by people putting people on blast on social media. That's my great, it's one of the things that is breaking my heart the most right now as I watch all the ways our culture is polarized, all the way people are polarized and I'm watching people attack people and you watch Christians attack Christians and you're just like, hello, like, Jesus prayed for the unity among the brethren. God hates someone who's divisive. The book of Titus chapter three talks about that. You should literally reject a divisive person. And we're watching the church be completely divided up over all these things. And then you just come to the book of James and you're like, actually, I should be trying to tame my tongue. Just because I feel it doesn't mean I should say it. Just because you're hot under the collar over insert whatever your personal passionate thing is, does not mean we're supposed to walk in it. It actually shows a lack of self-control, which shows us walking in the flesh, which shows us living contrary to the very purposes and plans of Jesus. And what's amazing is, is for me, as I watch my own life, I watch what's going on in our culture, I watch what's going on in the people of God, as I see all this, I say to myself, oh, Jesus, Oh, Jesus, will you do a work of renewal in us? Do a work of revival in us. Jesus is real. Anyone who has trained an animal knows that it takes a lot of work and tons of time. And as hard as it is to work with animals, it's even harder to control the things that you say to tame your tongue. But that is exactly what the Lord wants you to do. 
Today, Pastor Daniel shared that God wants you to use your words to usher in his peace and healing in the lives of the people around you. You need his help to do this. You were encouraged to ask God to show you where your words are out of control and let him help you change. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy and the hard reality is if it isn't messy for you now, it will be and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share more about the struggle we have with our words and what we should do about it. You'll be reminded that God wants to help you learn to control your tongue. With His help, you can learn to reign in your words let them be the vehicle of blessing they were meant to be. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Sticks and Stones. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.